let's give context to our audience. Um, we started the podcast with what's the future of people initiatives, and we are now right around 45 episodes. There have been major steps forward throughout this process. Every episode has moved the needle. However, some have been gigantic moves forward. As we moved from L&D, change management, operation, HR, technology, through different functions, about two months ago, we hit on how do we consumerize the employee experience? How do we meet the pressure to consumerize the employee experience? That was said by David from Spirit Airlines and then validated by Beverly at PayPal, who said, let's consumerize all of HR products. And I paused. As a co-founder of a digital agency, Mably, in addition to a technology company called ProHabits, I started asking myself, who inside the enterprise knows most about consumerization, right? And the thought creeped in, let's check in with the CMOs, right? Let's check in. And we've sent out hundreds of emails to connect with CMOs, okay? And um, I've spoken to 10 so far, right? And it ranges from, Adam, no thank you, a Fortune 500 company CMO said, this conversation does not align with our function. Fascinating. And then on the other spectrum, there have been a few CMOs that blew my mind, right? Literally blew my mind. I was just saying to Bennett, I couldn't sleep last night thinking about the consequences of what we could create by sharing this discussion. It's both exhilarating and a bit therapeutic for me. I'm not nuts. This makes sense. We're going to take on a big question today. How do we unify the brand experience, <laughs> customer experience, employee? How do we unify the experience? So, Bennett, uh, thank you for your patience. I just needed to get that out. Um, your, yeah, your title, uh, this is the first thing that stood out when I reached out to you, is the Chief Marketing and People Experience Officer. How did it come to be? Yeah, great question. Great to be here as well. Really excited about the topic and, and having an opportunity to really speak to you and your audience. So, you know, for me, uh, I'll have to take a step back before I can take a step to the present and hopefully to the future. Uh, and that is where I, I started my career within at least the concepts of people experience and, and marketing communications kind of combining efforts. And that was the, the company that I was at for the last 13 years or so by the name of Power Home Remodeling. They are currently the, the nation's number one remodeler, uh, Fortune Magazine's best place to work, uh, and on that list on numerous occasions, as well as every other possible workplace list you can be on. And, uh, oh, by the way, the, the largest in their space uh, with the best reputation in the space when it comes to customers. And so it wasn't about sacrifice of one in favor of the other. It was how do you combine both, um, be the best company you can be when it comes to customer experience and also be the best company you can be when it comes to the people experience within. Well, when I got there about 13 years ago or so, uh, we didn't have any of that. The, we had a decent culture. There was something there um, that was prominent um, and palpable, but there wasn't a, a true understanding as to how you can lean into the people experience. There was no CPOs, and that was kind of a brand new title even at that time. Um, so there was traditional HR and there was traditional marketing and you kind of live separate lives. Uh, what we talked about, about even just a month into my career as, as heading up a, a marketing team at that point of one myself uh, with the CEO, was that after we read the book, uh, the executive team and the leadership team read the book, Good to Great. Uh, and inside that book, as most of you probably know who are listening, it's all about who before what. 
and that you will never be able to build a successful company if you don't do it um, by building a successful enterprise within that people that work for the organization have to want to be there. They have to want to lean on each other. They have to want to love um, one another um, as siblings more so than colleagues. And it was a unique idea that instead of focusing all of our time and attention to the development of a external brand uh, with direct response and traditional advertising, marketing, digital experiences for customers, why don't we focus the majority of our time and attention within the marketing umbrella to trying to solicit and keep excited and informed and dedicated uh, both prospective and existing employees. And it was a brand new idea and uh, I am someone that loves a challenge. And while I didn't spend a ton of my time in the beginning of my career as an agency partner, an advertising agency partner, thinking much about the employee experience, it was something that I wanted to do desperately. And we spent about 65% of our time uh, over the course of my first five and a half, six years of my career there, trying to develop platforms to drive engagement and experience. Uh, and we did that through four core pillars. And as we were doing that, um, we started to realize like, wow, when people love to work here, and they, they, what do they do? They talk to their friends and their family first. I can't believe I work for a company that actually pays attention to me, that actually cares about me, that truly believes that I can bring my full self to work. I can be, I could have fun and also be a little weird at the same time and do that within the walls of an environment that cares about me. And oh, by the way, they pay me pretty well as well. And when I feel that way, I wanna bring my friends and family into the mix. So when you bring in referrals, referrals are typically more successful out of the gate because they already understand, appreciate, um, and own the concepts of what you're trying to bring to the table. Well, once we had that, they wanna work harder for the customer because they don't wanna leave. They don't wanna lose this feeling. And that's really what it is at the end of the day. This is this incredible feeling that they don't wanna lose uh, when it comes to the opportunities to drive forward the concepts of service in a different, more methodical, more prepared, uh, more empathetic way than most companies do um, when it comes to the customer experience as a whole. And especially in the world of remodeling, where it's the fourth most complained about uh, business in the country, 68% um, complaint rate. It is more often that you will find in this space that customers are having a terrible experience versus a great experience. And our feeling was, well, how do we combine the two? How do you create this love, this drive, this caring, this grit, this innovation internally? And how do you extend that externally to the customer? Um, so the customer feels like we are the opposite of everything they've experienced in their home to date. And over the course of my, my time at Power, we did exactly that and became all those things that I mentioned earlier, uh, much to my surprise and delight. It's fascinating. And you use the word feeling, right? When we look at other functions inside the organization, L&D, uh, change management operations, it's the CMO that talks about feeling of the brand, connection to the brand. And they focus on it externally. And uh, how logical is it? that the feeling that a customer has to the brand is influenced, directed, interlinked with how the employees feel about the brand. Like that just makes total and absolute sense. Um, and yeah, I mean, they're, they're interconnected uh, and they have to be. Uh, you know, the, there's, especially in the world, in the world that I come from, which is really, and, and whether you're in retail or you're in remodeling, I mean, we're always touching the customer. And a customer knows, we are savvy consumers, all of us, regardless of the roles we play in the universe, we're all savvy consumers. 
And when we meet someone, whether it's at the local bagel shop or the Best Buy or a, you know someone's trying to sell you windows or siding, it's about a relationship that you're building. And that concept is formed within seconds. Like you know when you're walking in the grocery store, when someone's knocking on your door, whether or not you're going to have a appropriate relationship from that second. And that that matters to people. And when you're presenting yourself as a professional, when you're presenting yourself as a human being, when you're presenting yourself as someone that actually cares about your job, the the products that you're selling and the people that you work with, like that by just sheer nature moves itself physically into the mindset of the customer that you're talking to and they can't help but want to believe. Uh, And I think, you know, the proof is in the pudding when it comes to great companies that do great work, you know, and it's not just, you know, power. Um, You've got, you know, Ritz-Carlton and Disney and um, uh, Zappos and there's just so many brands that have leaned into the concepts of customer first, but they lean into the concepts of customer first by leaning into the necessity of people first. Totally. You mentioned Ritz-Carlton. We actually have a CMO coming up that, that's going to be joining us, who was one of the founding members of that institute. And that CMO is going to talk about the importance of internal training in order to improve the customer experience. And you and I chatted last time we spoke. I said to you, Bennett, how many get it? How many understand this connection? Right? And there are some signs. Uh, one of the folks I interviewed for my column on Inc., uh, the CMO of GE, Linda Buff, she actually took on the role, in addition to the CMO, the VP of Learning and Development. Right? Um, so I think small percentage are on the journey, like deep in the journey. But my suspicion is that vast majority is considering getting on, on this journey because they see the challenges with the employee experience within their organizations. And this episode, I think, is perfectly fit for either CMOs that are on the journey, preparing to begin the journey, or anyone else in any other function that's thinking of approaching CMO to have the conversation about this and to partner. I actually thought about what will be the objective of the today's episode. We get a lot of coffees going between the CMO reaching out to other other folks or other folks in other functions reaching out to CMO. So Bennett, let, let's sell a lot of coffees through this episode. Where I want to check, just double click on, and you've already mentioned this, I want to make sure we remember this is, there's a measurement of success. This is KPI focus. This isn't, hey, this is nice to have. So maybe, um, again, if you could highlight, here are the data points that sh- demonstrate that you as bringing the marketing novice experience, expertise, capabilities internally, and you already talked about retention that you refer to, but maybe there are other KPIs. I want to make sure that the audience hears loud and clear this leads to business outcomes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, to your point, uh, and what we talked about a little bit earlier, the number one KPI, of course, for any organization, at least when it comes to people experience, is going to be uh, retention. And Depending on the industry that you're in, uh, retention can be really challenging, Uh, but does it have to be? And I think those are the questions that so many people refuse to answer. Like, oh, retention's bad, but it's just an industry thing. It is what it is. And so we're going to continue to churn out our talent acquisition department for low CPAs uh, when it comes to cost per acquisition of candidates in order to kind of 
rectify the challenges that we have internally. And frankly, I call BS on that stuff. Like, yes, you know, there are retention challenges, especially depending on jobs uh, within, especially sales jobs in a industry that is in front of the customer, like ours, which is in the home. You know, these are challenging jobs um, where you're only successful 35, 40% of the time. However, um, you can make people feel really good about themselves, really good about the opportunities that are within, and you can continue to reverse engineer the challenges that you're having with retention. So we focus on retention number one as far as metrics that we're looking at on a monthly basis. Uh, in addition to that, we focus on EMPS. You know, we talk about in the marketing industry, everybody is familiar with MPS scores and, and how necessary they are to evaluate whether your brand is working or not. Uh, we evaluate not only MPS when it comes to the consumer side, but we evaluate EMPS, employee MPS scores. You know, how happy are they? What do they want to see? You know, it's easy to preach values in an organization, but how many people actually understand and live the values of an organization? It's easy to preach that we want to do more for you. We want you to bring your best self to work. We want to give you the tools and training in order to get that done. But are you doing that? And I think employees, by and large, especially employees that are jumping into the workplace right now, uh, millennials, Gen Zs, fastest growing not only home buying market in the country, but fastest growing uh, employee market in the country. What do they want? They want to work for businesses that think about more than profitability, businesses that lean into culture, that lean into community, that lean into solving the world's biggest challenges. And we want people to tell us, like, are we delivering on that? Are we not? How do we course correct? when we're doing those things. Um, so we really measure EMPS as well as a second. And really the third, uh, when it comes to kind of measuring internal satisfaction and happiness, is that referral piece. Because at the end of the day, it's easy for you to say that you are um, moving forward in the organization, um, but it's another thing to say that I want my friends and my family to be here with us as well. So most organizations, um, based on my research, usually get between, ideally, 10 and 15% referral if the organizations are moving in the right direction. Um, we look for our minimum, ideally, is 50% referral. That's what it was in my for former organization. And the success and the longevity, which obviously ties to retention, of an employee is directly attached to referral. So we utilize that as a metric as well that we measure. Um, when it comes to the consumer side of things, you know, again, you know, we're looking at MPS scores as a whole, and ultimately in our traditional metrics when it comes to um, how do we um, go from awareness to conversion, conversion to um, acquisition, acquisition to lifetime value. But a lot of those things that we do are tied, again, directly back to the employee. And when the employee is happier, the customer will be happier. And we're trying to intermeasure both of those things. Definitely therapeutic. I'm, I'm just, my, my, my brain is firing across all kinds of spectrums because even the thing you said about values, right? I wrote a book called The Science of Story where we I interviewed hundreds of, of leaders within organizations and we talk about values activation. Often the biggest excitement is to activate them externally. We're going to tell the world, here's what we stand for. Here's what we believe in. It's going to be a Super Bowl. And it's going to be an amazingly produced, multi-million dollar, CMO-driven, we're going to get the best agency, the best talent, we're going to annihilate it. It's going to be awesome. And then internally, well, it's going to be a town hall. We're going to do a 30-minute, right, rah-rah session, right, especially now virtually, where just about everyone is tuned out to a message that is for 5,000, 10,000, 2,000, whatever, thousands of folks, and we move on. Right, so a CMO saying, hold on, 
How do we do that internally? I mean, just, just remarkable. So there is a mindset shift that is required. How do we, so let's put ourselves either in the position of a CMO listening to this and saying, look, Adam Bennett, good stuff. I'm busy. You know how many KPIs I already have in my world, how limited of resources I currently have, right? Or let's put ourselves in the mind of a functional leader in HR saying, I'm about to go to the CMO and ask for more. Like what is, what is the best way to think about a shift of, of a mindset that's required for someone to say, yeah, I should not just explore this journey, but I should go all in because of the following reasons. Well, I, th I think it's uh, I think the mindset shift is essential, you know, and, and whether you're the CMO or the CHRO or the CEO of an organization to pretend that your culture is going to be designed, developed, nurtured on its own by osmosis is a really short sighted way of thinking about your business. And that's not to call anybody out that's listening. It's just the truth, um, you know, and, and also it's important to know that whether you're the CMO, the CHRO, or anyone else for that matter, you are going to be in a situation where you know you can't do it on your own. You've got a list of priorities and a list of people that are attached to those priorities, and uh-oh, I don't have one that's attached to a specific function of the business, so, so what do you do? Well, one, you hire really great people that really want to deliver on this. And there's a ton of really, really smart people that want to lean into the employee experience as a function of their job description um, more than you'd ever think imaginable. And they're all really, really gifted. The only thing your responsibility ultimately should be is to be a visionary and to create a platform that allows them to be innovative and gritty and caring. Like those are the three cores, right? Like, can you be innovative? Can you be creative about what is it within the organization that I can continue to do? Um, or I could push people to do um, that is going to truly engage our environment and make them better people. Forget better performers. Like that's the priority. The first priority has to be like, how do I, how do I just make people better people? Um, because when they're better people, they're going to be better performers and they're better performers. They're going to create better outcomes for their customers. So who, what can I do to create an environment where it allows people to be the best versions of themselves? Um, and who can do that? And then when you start there and you start to line up responsibilities attached to those, what you will actually find is that a lot of the people that work within your environments are currently trying to do that anyway. It's just a matter of mind shift towards some of, the, the, some of these different types of goals. And working together in a collaborative environment um, with your colleagues that will support that mission. So it doesn't have to be done alone by the CMO. It doesn't have to be done alone by the head of HR. Um, this is a collaborative and communal effort to drive home the message, the simple message of when you win over your people with transparency and authenticity, when you win over your people and they know that you actually care, they will end up likely doing the heavy lifting for you, therefore. I can give you a quick example of that. So, you know, in my previous engagement, uh, after we started to build these ideas out and these pillars out of what was important when it came to the people experience, one of the core things that we wanted to do and the idea of, well, how do you bring your whole self to work? What, what does that even mean? Well, there are many, many companies out there that have a culture diversity and inclusion program. 
And many of them, and I think, you know, we could all look at ourselves in the mirror, um, you know, look in the mirror and not out the window sometimes and say, okay, well, um, do you, is my program, is it an obligation or is it an opportunity? And I think more often than not, the companies that have these types of initiatives say it's the opportunity, but it's really the obligation. They do the bare minimum to kind of move that along. Oh, we'll set up employee resource groups or we'll, we'll give people a forum to kind of communicate from underrepresented groups or whatever, and we'll have a plan in play to ensure that we are looking at leadership positions when it comes to making sure that uh, people from underrepresented groups have the ability to move up the corporate ladder in any number of ways. And again, um, we called BS on our own uh, organization, that like we were trying to do that, but it felt like such an obligation. And the reason it felt like an obligation, because guess what? You had six or seven white males trying to make decisions for underrepresented communities, which is absurd. And so, but what do you need? What, do you, what you need is you first have to make people feel comfortable um, that you could be anyone you wanna be within this organization. I don't care if you're in operations, you're in sales, you're in marketing, um, you're in HR, or any other number of disciplines. It's about sharing your experiences and sharing your voice. And we would push that consistently who are you? Please let us know. What do you want to achieve? How do you want to achieve it? Allow us to help you. We will provide you critical tools and resources and the spirit and mentality to be better. Um, and we got people that would reach out and say, you know what? I have this idea about how to um, incorporate um, my experiences, my history into, say, one of the Heritage Months, like Black History Month. That's how it started. And then this individual is like, uh, we looked at that and said, wow, you know, that's a real opportunity to get someone's personal perspective out to the universe, not only internally, but externally, which helps our customers and helps our candidates. That person was like, well, God, there's so much more that we can do. Yes, there is. How about you, who was just in our operations department, she was a purchasing agent at the time. How about you own it? How about I help you own it? How about I give you the template to create something really special, to create a marketing plan, a business plan, a business case, to really change the perspective of culture, diversity, and inclusion, and actually make it a true entity of the business, not an obligation. And one thing led to another, and I'm happy to say, six years after the, um, the, the natural progression of that conversation, it's, there is a full team of six different people within that organization running culture, diversity, and inclusion, doing a summit twice a year with people, allies, and individuals from all different communities all over the country, all over the world, conversing um, about change, making sure that we can change internally, change professionally, change our mindsets, um, and really lean into the concepts of what culture, diversity, and inclusion actually is. And oh, by the way, not run by a bunch of white executives, run by the people that actually um, are in the LGBTQIA community, run by people in the African American uh, community, in the Asian Pacific American community, in the Hispanic community. All of these um, individuals, this melting pot of opportunity are now converging to create a business, an actual business that leans in on each other, um, which supports the value of uh, having fun, being a little weird, bringing your whole self to work. And if you can start to attach values that you truly want to design to the individuals that are able to execute on those values, then you have a great business. And that concept led to our military affairs program, it led to our women's initiative program, women dominating in a male-dominated industry. It's the coolest thing in the world to see. 
um, and our wellness initiative. You know, now that people are happy and motivated, well, how do you how do you maintain that happiness and motivation? Well, I need to make sure that I'm smart about my finances. So why don't we create financial wellness? Why don't we create physical wellness? Why don't we create mental wellness? Why don't we lean into the issues that are really going on in the world and not shy away from them because, oh, corporations have to stay away from real issues? Well, guess what? We're all human beings again and issues are happening to us and um, to us despite our best intentions every single day. You can ignore those as a business or you can lean into them. And I am fully prepared and, and, and pushing everyone out there to lean into them. As long as you have an authentic voice, you will win. And that's exactly what we try to do. Amazing. I want to double click on everything. Double, triple click. We should have, instead of a one hour, we should have scheduled this for four hours or six hours. So I, I'm going to push us into the next question that I, that I believe is on the mind of the audiences is uh, the CMO versus HR universe, right? How, where do we draw... Now partnership for sure, but but where do we draw the line of responsibility? I can't imagine you're moving into compensation, benefits, policy, compliance world. You had mentioned a number of pillars that you, as a people uh, uh, experience officer, have within your your domain. Can you outline those and explain them? And, and one of those that I really loved was when you talked about you're producing a GQ-like magazine internal to celebrate your folks. So there's just a lot of goodness there, but give us some structure, please. Yeah, absolutely. So first to answer your, your opening question there, uh, yes, there has to be a partnership between your HR team, your head of HR, and your marketing team. I have no experience, nor do I want any, any experience in compliance um, and development of, of you know, the associated employee handbook and things of that nature. However, there is an opportunity when it comes to comp banding and when it comes to career road mapping and when it comes to building out um, uh, benefits and perks that are marketing related. Again, what do our employees want? What will make them happy? Can we deliver on those? Can we make it fun? You know, and I'll, I'll, use, I'll utilize Zappos quickly and then I'll get into the pillars. Uh, because our former at Power, our former the former C, uh, CPO at Zappos, Holly Delaney, came over to uh, to Power, and she taught me quite a bit in the short time that we had the opportunity to work together. And one of the things when we talked about employee handbooks, like she came to me as the the head of marketing, and she was like, "Hey, um, I see our employee handbook. It's okay, you know, it's a clinical traditional handbook that every employee has. No employee, how many raise of hands in your own rooms right now? How many of you have actually read the employee handbook, including the CMOs and the CHROs, even that are on this call? Um, the reality is that no one really reads the handbook. It's an obligation, not an opportunity again. And so she was like, why don't we make the handbook cool? Like, why don't we make it feel like a, a comic book or something really interesting and unique and that people are going to actually be engaged with and want to read? And oh, by the way, when they're halfway through it, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm reading a handbook. Wouldn't that be cool and unique? So there is a partnership when it comes to some of the clinical approaches to HR, but it is HR and HR needs to develop the critical tools that are attached to the people experience to ensure that we are compliant, to ensure that we have smart, logical understanding of how to onboard and offboard employees and all the things that go on in that, like I said earlier, with comp banding and, and career road mapping and, and setting people up for success when it comes to benefits perks and, and those, other, those other core initiatives they work on. So there is that core pillar, which is HR, and it involves those critical tools. The next pillar, and you mentioned it earlier, is learning and development. And again, to me, it's a marketing slash uh, technical requirement. Um, so many people 
Think again, training is an obligation, not an opportunity. Of course we have to train our people. How are they gonna be able to do what they do? Well, what does your training look like? Well, you know, we have a one day training and we have this kind of weak looking PowerPoint presentation. It's not all that great. It's a lot of words on screen, not a lot of imagery. We, we kind of push people to try and figure out what that is. We make them memorize it. When they get home that night, maybe we'll send them a copy of the PowerPoint presentation. Maybe there's some sort of manual attached to it. They come back the next day and it's off to the races. How many people can say that they do that? Probably many. Well, that's crazy, um, number one. Um, so for us and for me, um, starts with onboarding. You know, learning and development starts with onboarding. What do you want to tell people on day one? They are already nervous. They're already overwhelmed. They already have no idea if they made the right decision or not. They may look around and say, well, these people look really cool and interesting, but uh, am I going to like lose or win in this environment? How do I know? So many organizations go into onboarding on day one and they just launch right into your career. You have no understanding as the platform. You have no understanding of what it is that you're supposed to do. Um, you have no understanding of how these departments interact with one another. Now you're just going out and you're trying to create your own little widget within your own little community. Really bad way of doing it. For us, it's like, okay, well first, you have to understand not just the vision of the organization long term to get you excited, but going back again to values. What is the purpose what is our why? It goes back to kind of Simon Sinek's book of start with why. You know, there's so many companies just lean into the what they do and how they do it, their USP, but not why they do it. Why do they wake up in the morning? Why do they choose to be there? Same thing with employees. You know, I, you have to wake up every morning and say, why am I doing this? Why did I get out of bed this morning? Why am I coming to work? We have to present the why of the business and for people to start to think on day one, why am I actually here? What do I want to achieve? How can I do that? And then showcase the journey of the business. Where are were we? Where are we? Where are we going? How are we going to get there? What are the values of the organization? How do we live those values every day? What do they actually mean? So they're not just words on paper or something when you walk down the hallway, you see some silly thing on the wall that talks about one of the values, but no one really understands it or cares about it. Like you have to live your values or don't have values at all. Um, what is the North Star of the organization? How are we going to get there? And when you have that as your core day one and then having exercises throughout the course of the day that help you understand what the company actually is, what we're trying to do, fun, entertaining, informational, trans, um, transactional, but also transparent and, and um, potentially transformational. Uh, and when you, when you do that, what happens? They go home at night and they say to their, their spouse or their boyfriend, girlfriend, partner, mom, dad, friends, How's day one? Whoa, like, that was insane. I, I, I learned how to be a better version of me today. What? You didn't learn about the business? Well, I did learn a little bit about the business, but I learned so much more about like how the people here just wanna be great and they wanna, and they wanna be great together. Like, isn't that a much better experience when you come home and most people come home, what did you learn today? Well, you know, my job, I have to do this and I have to do that. And I'm, you know, it seems okay. It's pretty cool, I guess. I don't know. I guess I'll tell you down the line if I like it or hate it. Like that's what happens. And so onboarding is huge. And then instead of doing onboarding in one day or two days, why not extend onboarding out two, three weeks? Why not allow that individual to shadow every single department within the organization so they can learn a little bit about what those departments do and how they interact with one another. And oh my gosh, there's a whole bunch of awesome people in sales and they really need me to deliver on my end so they can deliver on their end for the customer. Oh, and same thing with operations. And when you do that, how much better will you be at your position when you know exactly what it is that you're supposed to do? Um, and so many people again say, oh, whew, time is money. You know, put people out for two and a half, three weeks when they start, we need these people in those seats. 
Well, are they going to be way better off by spending two and a half, three, four weeks out in the field learning the business? Or are they going to be better off by getting into their seats on day two, totally overwhelmed, have no idea what they're doing? Um, so that's kind of the onboarding side. But then after that, training, ongoing training. What does that look like? How do you train people to truly understand and acknowledge information and make it digestible? Why not make it feel like school where there's assessments attached to it? And so, you know, you have quizzes at the end of every test in school and so many companies don't do the quizzes at the end of a training. Why not? Why not find out from your people if they know the information that you're trying to get them to understand? And oh, by the way, it's not always on them. If they fail the test, it's as much about the teacher as it is about the student. So it's an opportunity for course correction on both ends. Um, and then soft, soft skill training. There's so many people that like want to move quickly up the corporate ladder. They want to be successful. They want to create this career roadmap that gets them a lot of money and a lot of fame and a lot of promise and, and, and their personas, their brand will change. Well, guess what? Most people don't understand or appreciate the soft skills required to be really, really good at their job. It's more than just performance. It's about time management as an entry-level position. How many people leave school, have no idea how to manage their time, now they're in a job. It's about overcoming adversity, both individually um, and overcoming adversity as it relates to your job. It's about um, trying to manage a now community that you're within as opposed to the individual that you manage your entire life. When you were growing up, all you really cared about at the end of the day was yourself. And of course you had friends and family, but really at the end of the day it was about you. Now it's about other people around you. Um, how do you manage individuals versus a template? There's so many soft skills that people are never taught in school that we have the opportunity and obligation to do here. So that's kind of your, your L&D bucket. And then there's the event bucket, what I call special events or corporate events. And it's more than just like throwing a party once a year on the holidays or um, you know, having a golf outing every now and again or even what most companies do at the end of the year, which is like they make their best performers are the ones who get the love and affection. Everybody else, just keep working at it. You'll get to the party next year. Well, I again call BS on that. Our corporate events are different. You know, they're about learning, attaching to L&D. So leadership development events, leadership conferences, where we bring in uh, not only smart, logical strategies about how we want to get better as um, a business, but also how do you get better as people? We educate ourselves. We read books. There's a whole bunch of books behind me. I'm an avid, avid, avid reader. I consume as much as I possibly can. Leadership books, marketing books, fiction books, anything that I think is going to help me create an opportunity to be better internally, which will help me be better externally when it comes to the world that I work in. And then, um, so when you're developing those events, like leadership development events that bring in those aspects, including speakers from other walks of life that have different perspective. Um, and um, these summits that I talked about earlier uh, when it comes to culture, diversity, and inclusion, and uh, military affairs, and women's initiatives, and wellness initiatives. Um, and again, as, you, as I say these things, you'll see that they're all designed simply around the idea that it's about you, not about the company. Yeah, there are, we have, you know, events once a year that are about strategy, um, retreats that are talking about like, how do we get, create a better widget? But really at the end of the day, the majority of the events that we create, corporate events that we create is about creating a better version of you. And if you create a better version of you, you're gonna create a better version for the people around you and for the customer as well. They're not always about what, how do we be, how do we get better? How do we make more money? The money is irrelevant because when you're doing great work, you're going to create great profitability. If you're doing really bad work, meaning work on yourself inside of your ears and work around you to build the people up around you, then you're not, then I don't care if you have the best product in the world. 
um, you're not going to sell it correctly because no one's going to care internally. When they don't care internally, they're not going to care externally. So we create all these events that are about building the human experience together. Uh, and then we have the recognition and achievements, like what we call engagement and experience. And that's the fourth pillar. And the engagement and experience side, to your point, it's like, how do we spotlight the human experience and achievements, you know, metrics-driven achievements internally. It is about keeping the lights on as well. Um, but, you know, to the magazine. So we would create and have created uh, what I would refer to as more like a GQ-style magazine internally than some stodgy, boring corporate newsletter. Uh, you know, everyone has the corporate newsletter that no one ever reads. Send it out digitally via email or whatever the case may be. What we used to do um, is we put out um, quarterly magazines and the whole, you know, from the, the design of the magazine, the cover, the back cover, um, comic strips inside of it, like a real magazine. But guess what? All the associated articles were, yeah, about building the business and there was some information in there that was essential, including like shining a light on people that were leading the business leaderboards that we would create. Um, but also about the human experience. Like if, if someone had something they wanted to talk about and it was the right time, if we wanted to talk about, um, uh, you know, the, the, the real subject matter, real subject matter that people were thinking about behind the scenes but they were afraid to talk about, we would talk about it in those magazines and we would highlight the human experience of individuals within. We'd want to make them famous. Our bottom line always was how do we make a large company, at that point 3,500 employees, how do we make it feel intimate? How do we make people famous here, um, regardless of the work that they're doing in the field, which should be making them money? Money is one thing. Fame is a different uh, level. And so we would do that. We would create really fun competitions. As opposed to doing competitions like traditional sales competitions and those types of things, why don't we broad, Why don't we like film them? Why don't we put them on a green screen? Why don't we make like a ESPN-style studio and we'll have analysts and we'll have a host and we'll like make it really fun and we'll give crazy prizes out and we'll do really cool things again not for the not for the money that can be earned but for the opportunity to have a little fun at work and entertain ourselves at the end of the day it's about infotainment for us and so then okay well you do these competitions you film this stuff well, what do you do with it well, we create programming internally. So we created Power TV. Here I call it Vision TV. Um, and it's all day long programming of things that we've been able to produce. Um, so whether they be competitions or really interesting information that we want to share, town hall style, or, you know, there's an amazing documentary uh, on like the development of, um, uh, of McDonald's. There's a founder thing on Netflix right now, as an example. Like those are really interesting stories that people should look at and say, ooh, can I take a nugget from those? We wanna share that information out. We wanna have leaderboards um, to showcase people that are doing really, really well in their core positions within the organization and shouting them out as well. We wanna spotlight those individuals on VTV. We wanna be able to have a ticker at the bottom that shout out, shouts out people for their anniversaries and for their birthdays. Um, and a whole bunch of other things that I could talk about for two years, but I'm already talking too much, so I will stop there. But there are, there are four core pillars to recap. There's HR, there's learning and development, there's the corporate event or the special event, and there's the employee experience and recognition. Like those are the four core things that we lean into. And I hire people to do those things really, really effectively because their core focus or laser focus every day is on people, not on the, the success of the business outside of that. And your passion, your, your excitement for what you do, it just shows. Like it, it's clear you, you love what you do. And, and for the audience that are listening at this point, just uh, like ping me. Tell me what you think because my mind is blown. Maybe I'm not seeing something. 
maybe Bennett is either an anomaly or he took some detour in his career and what he's doing right now. I don't know. Because right now it seems to me as if this is potentially a template where every CMO everywhere, right, should get involved as part of the, I call it consumerization of the employee experience, right, the or reorientation of their experience around them as the human being, not the organization. Um, so Bennett, for those who are listening, who want to pr- continue their journeys, right, or maybe begin their journeys and, and have coffees, we're, we're about to sell a, a ton of coffees, I hope Starbucks can send us, you know, a, a commission check or something. Um, what, what would be, because this is what you've done is very mature, meaning you, this is, you didn't, this isn't day one, like you, you built a people experience, a function, right? That, that rolls up to the marketing team and uh, some of its resources are shared with the external resources, right? Your creative team is doing work for both, which is where we begun this discussion, brand unification or the brand experience unification. But what would be early steps, step one, step two, like where would you suggest for a CMO to begin if they're just ready to kind of uh, test the waters, kind of say, okay, let me try and see where this goes. What would be a step one for them? Yeah, great, great question. Um, you know, one, uh, before I, I answer that to your earlier point, I think as you hopefully as people digest some of this information, I think CMOs in general can say to themselves, yeah, that, that actually is marketing. Like everything that I just described is, is just marketing in a, with a different audience. Um, and if you're a great marketer, you're a great marketer. I've often said to people when they, they meet me, I'm like, oh, you've been in this particular um, industry for a long, long time. Do you think that you're pigeonholed? And I say, not in marketing. Marketing, is, marketing is, there's no um, silver bullet to an industry that says, oh, if I market here, I can only market here. Marketing is marketing. Marketing is trying to create a conversation within the human experience. Um, and if we can continue to create those conversations internally and externally, we win. And all of these you know, are marketing-esque, you know, development of engagement and experiences. Um, it's just a different audience than you're perhaps used to. Um, so don't be afraid of it. Uh, as it relates to your question, I think that the first most crucial step is, for anyone is auditing your business. How happy are your people really? Um, and that could start in each of those four pillars, right? Look at it from that perspective at a macro lens. Um, human resources. Do people look at human resources as like the uh-oh department? Uh, oh boy, here comes HR. Uh, what did I do? Got myself into trouble. I can't go to HR. They're like boring and they don't understand me. They're clinical. You know, that's what people think more often than not. Why? Why can't human resources be human relationships? Why can't we change that name? And so they are the advocate and the accountability partner to the people around them. Um, should be, if they're not already. So, but what are they offering? You know, are they, are they open? Um, are they honest? Are they transparent? Are they advocates or not? Um, and what kind of tools are they offering? You know, what do the benefits actually look like? You know, again, understanding where companies are, both large and small, budget will always be a factor in anything that you decide. And I wish I could do everything here. We're a startup company in many ways in the organization that I'm at, even though our, our growth is exponential. Um, but we don't have a ton of budget to do all these things that I would like to do. So we have to start somewhere. But what benefits are you offering? What resonates? What perks are you offering? What resonates? Um, what does the comp package look like? Do you have roadmaps? What are people or, or what are they looking for when it comes to HR, the relationship between them? Do that. When it comes to L&D, do you actually have 
learning and development? Are you confident in it? Are you comfortable with it? Do you think it looks awesome? Do you think people are better when they go through your training than they are before their train, before your training? Be honest with yourself. At the end of the day, all you can do goes back to looking in the mirror again. The only thing you can do is be honest with yourself. You can pretend that things are amazing or you could actually do the, the research to, sh to say to yourself matter-of-factly through data that it is or it isn't. Um, on the events thing, what events are you doing? Do people care about them? Do they look forward to them? Do they stop everything they're doing to go to one of your town halls or to um, go to um, an event that you're planning, a social event, you know, even within departments? When the department manager's like, hey, I wanna take everybody out to the bar on Friday night. How many people are like, oh my gosh, that's awesome, I can't wait. And how many people are like, ugh, Friday night? I wanna be with my family, like I gotta deal with this nonsense now? I bet you it happens all the time, right? Um, so analyze your events. How are you doing them? What do they mean? What are the purpose of anything? It's like always goes back to like when you're having a meeting, right? Uh, it's like um, I, I am obsessed when I set up a meeting or I go to a meeting, I want there to be an agenda. What are we doing here? What is the purpose of this meeting? When I leave the meeting, what am I taking with me? What are the action items? Or what happens in most meetings, do we all get there, there's no real agenda, and we just pontificate for 45 minutes and then everybody leaves feeling no better than they did before they got there and you just wasted another hour of your time. So like, what are these, forget meetings, but what are the events like? Are they the same way? Are there, are there's no purpose in them, there's no planning, there's no art in the, how you're gathering, like there's no design, there's no marketing, there's no mentality, can't do that. Um, and then lastly, when it comes to like the engagement and experiences, it starts again with like, do people feel like they have a voice here? Do they feel like they can be open, honest, transparent, and authentic with you? Are you open, honest, authentic, and transparent with them? Um, do you shine a light on anyone in your organization outside of some sort of corporate newsletter that every now and again says, hey, look, look at this person, he's or she is great? Um, or are you leaning in to all that stuff? Are you doing some of these things? It doesn't take a lot of work. When you really break it down and you audit that side of the business, which is step number one, what you're gonna find is, hmm, I could improve this a little bit. I can improve that a little bit. I can improve this a little bit. You're gonna find that every day, the only goal is 1% better. And if you can start to figure out where there are holes within this engagement experience as a marketer, using a marketer's brain, you could say, ooh, I can make this a lot cooler looking. Start there. I can make this message sound a lot more thought provoking. Start there, whatever it is. You don't have to bite the apple all at once. Um, it's simply a matter of like leaning in and truly saying what really matters to the organization. And if you're gonna continue to assume that it's about the what and the, and the how, more so than the who and the why, I, uh, without you know, being overly boastful and obnoxious, I would say that you're going to fail in the long run. Drop the mic, Bennett, literally, drop the mic. So, so for the audience, uh, if you take the advice from Bennett, please let me know how it goes. Or let's get on the air and let's continue the conversation or ask if Bennett is available for us to jam on the air together because these are major steps for you to take. We want to know how it goes. And again, as I've mentioned before, please let me know if you think this is an anomaly, this is a, a tangent, this is a, a podcast edition perhaps, or have we just found the, the part of the answer to what is the future of people initiatives? Bennett, thank you so much for joining. I'm going to have a good night's sleep tonight now that we've done this and we can share this with the audience. Thanks so much. I really appreciated your time and uh, all the hard work that went into putting this on. Awesome. Over and out. <laughs>